everyone, it's Daniel Elwood, and Robert Paul Johnson is usually my co-host. And we are The Last Nighters. You can find us at lastnighters.com and also on the Liberty Movement's YouTube channel. And tonight we're going to be doing Half-Baked, and this is going to be uh, the 186th show of this here show. Run on show, show on show. Anyway, you can find the show notes tomorrow at lastnighters.com slash 186. And uh, without further ado, let's introduce our guest. He's been with us many times in the past. Uh, recent episodes were for Gold, Hotel Rwanda, Captain Phillips, Three Idiots, and also El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. And he is, of course, known for uh, doing Breaking Liberty, which is an analysis of Breaking Bad. And uh, he also does a bunch of other libertarian-inspired uh, projects. And he has a new one that he's going to talk about tonight that is related to this film, Half-Baked. Welcome back to the show, Jared Wall of Breaking Liberty. And what's the new outfit called? A uh, new outfit is called The Hemp Spot. Uh, it's an online business that my wife and I started selling Delta 8 THC cannabis products. Um, so it's The Hemp Spot, THCHempspot.com. Um, yeah, we started it uh, probably about, uh, I would say, a month, month and a half ago. And uh, it's been going good so far. And um, we're excited uh, to to you know see if we can build it into something and uh, i'm excited to be here to talk to you about uh a movie that is quite um opera pro to uh to that kind of a business venture right yeah they definitely get into a business venture of sorts uh and for uh, seemingly good reasons uh, which we will get into but um i think uh viewers on youtube and, and also on our patreon who can view us right now can see that there is a coupon code available if they go to your website and enter this promo code, they will get 10% off their order. Why don't you tell them a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, it's coupon code last night. Um, it doesn't matter all caps or, or uh, all undercase. It doesn't matter, but you get 10% off your order. And uh, as a, a token of appreciation to um, our hosts here, we'll also give a, a commission back to, to Daniel and Robert um, as kind of a thank you for letting me, uh, plug this this uh, business venture on the on their podcast here so yeah um coupon code or promo code last night you get 10 percent off your order and uh and the guys here get a little commission and actually anybody regardless of coupon code or not um anybody spends 90 bucks or more gets free shipping all right nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with free shipping now are there any uh restrictions like related to locations like where uh, somebody might be should they should they maybe not go to your website if just in case well i mean i guess let me let's back up for a second uh, just just real quick what delta 8 thc products are just in case some people might not know um we're in the currently here in the the state of washington where um where marijuana cannabis has been legalized um however in a whole bunch of the rest of the country Cannabis remains illegal, uh, remains a, a black market schedule one drug. Um, however, uh, in 2014 and in 2018, they passed, uh, the, the feds passed a farm bill, which included legalizing uh, the cultivation of industrial hemp, you know, so for purposes of things like making clothing and rope and plastics and uh, uh, petroleum type products, um, things like that. So, uh, they, they legalized the cultivation of industrial hemp. In that bill, they tried to make sure that people could not get high as a result. So they said that any hemp being cultivated, any cannabis um, cannabis plants being cultivated for industrial purposes had to have less than 0.3% THC, uh, which is uh, obviously the chemical that uh, in, in cannabis that gets you high. Um, However, people, well, they, they specified um, when, when they said that it had to have less than 0.3% THC, they specified Delta-9 THC, which is a particular variant of the, the, um, of the polymer. It's the, by far the most commonly found variant of the polymer, but there are other versions of THC that are found naturally in the cannabis plant. And so people figured that out and started kind of focusing on uh, Delta-8 THC instead of Delta-9 THC, and basically figured out a way um, around the state's prohibition. So it's, you know, it's a really, it's, you know, being a libertarian, it's one of my, it's a, it's a story that, that I love, you know, market 
um, entrepreneurship and ingenuity beating state prohibition. I, I really love that story. But uh, to answer your question, um, yeah, there are, there actually are some states and some jurisdictions that have outlawed Delta-8. Um, that being said, most of those states, if most of those jurisdictions have ongoing uh, legal battles going on about them. So it's still kind of a gray area. Um, and so, you know, maybe, uh, do some research yourself, but, and, you know, I'm going to whisper this so that, uh, the, the police don't hear, um, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, we're willing to, to ship wherever, uh, in the country. So, um, it's, it's federally legal and, uh, and I'm not overly, uh, overly concerned after conversations that I had with attorneys before we got into it. I, uh, I don't find, uh, the risk to be so great that I would be afraid to ship to anywhere. Um, but, uh, you as the receiver, um, would also have to make that kind of judgment call as well. So hopefully that answered your question. I was a little bit long winded, but, um, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what I got to say about that. No, that's great. We're actually uh, down a man tonight, so any additional content that we can fill the hour with <laughs> will perfect work perfect for me. So anyway, uh, people can go to uh, thchempspot.com and enter the promo code last night for 10% off your order. And that is last night, no spaces or anything like that, and you'll get your 10%. And we will earn a small commission as well. So uh, if this is something that's up your guys' alley as an audience member, uh, do check it out. You'll save some money. We'll earn a little bit of money, and everyone... Uh, gets a uh, beneficial uh, circle jerk of goodness. The beauty of, of the market, yeah. Uh, mutually, uh, mutually beneficial. That's right. Okay, well, why don't we get into this movie? Because we do have a little bit more content to go over. And so we normally start off with what we call the Google description, which oddly enough is what it is. And uh, I'm going to do the sound effect. Womp! That's right, we're talking about Half-Baked Tonight. Uh, this is a stoner movie that was critically panned at the box office, uh, was critically panned and was a box office flop, but it has since become a cult classic and it helped establish Dave Chappelle's career and his show that came out a few short years after this movie was released. So here is the Google description. Half-Baked, rated R, came out in 1998 as a comedy slash stoner film, one hour and 22 minutes. Has a 6.7 on the IMDb, 29% Rotten Tomatoes, 16% Metacritic, and 85% of Google users like it. When a member of their crew gets arrested for killing a New York City police horse by feeding it junk food, three slackened stoners are forced to get off their butts and raise bail by selling pot stolen from a pharmaceutical lab. It's a risky plan, but hey, these are stand-up guys who would do anything to help out a friend in need. This came out January 16, 1998, directed by Tamara Davis, who also did Billy Madison, if I recall. Uh, it had a box office of $17.5 million, which is not so hot. Uh, I think it cost about that much to make it. Stars Dave Chappelle in numerous roles, has Jim Brewer, Guillermo Diaz, and Harlan Williams, uh, and a couple of great cameos, which I'm sure we are going to talk about tonight. But Jared, what is your opening for Half-Baked? Oh, uh, well, um, it's a, it's a, it's a fun movie. It's funny. It's, I can, uh, I can see how critics might not have liked it so much. The plot maybe, uh, wasn't the cleanest. Um, but, uh, it did have some really funny moments, had some really funny, uh, cameos, as you mentioned. Um, John Stewart, probably my favorite, uh, maybe Snoop Dogg and, uh, Bob Saget was also a, a really funny one too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, um, Kenny getting arrested for, for killing a horse and getting charged with murdering a police officer. Uh, that's pretty, uh, pretty wild. I'm sure we'll talk about that. And then uh, getting into uh, selling weed to raise money for his bail. And then the, the beef with the other dealer, Samson there. And then, um, you know, having to rob the lab to sell the weed and then getting caught and then making a deal with the cops. And uh, it was all, uh, it was, there's a lot to, <laughs> surprisingly, I wasn't sure how much there would be in there for us to talk about, um, you know, from a issues, um, you know, from a libertarian Rothbardian standpoint, but uh, there was plenty, plenty to get into. So it was a fun movie, uh, a few, a uh, few laugh out loud moments. The plot was, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a hour and 20 minute comedy. So it, it was what about what you would expect, but uh, I enjoyed it. And um 
and uh, there's, uh, there's surprisingly a, a good amount for us to, to dive into, I think. Yeah, this is one of those movies that my co-host, Robert, usually doesn't like. He doesn't like comedies. Uh, he thinks that there's usually not much to talk about. However, I usually find a bunch of stuff. Uh, we actually did Billy Madison a couple of years ago and found quite a bit to actually to talk about. We also did that for Nacho Libre and for Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, the follow-up to that was, was Gentleman Broncos, and it had a ton of stuff to talk about as well. So I know that he he has this like gut reaction that there's nothing to talk about in these movies, but time and time again, we, we do find things to discuss. And this one is no different. I took a bunch of notes just um, as I was watching this with my wife, and I was like, oh, there's a good point to talk about. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. So, I mean, we could probably go uh, a little bit long on this one. Not that we need to, uh, since you've already used up some of our time hawking your goods, your wares to our, to our audience. And we could save 10% by using the promo code last night. That's right. So, um, spot.com. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I'll put the banner uh, scrolling by just one more time. So just in case people missed it the first go around. So right. we'll let that run for a little while here. So the, the first thing that really stood out to me, and, and I was relating this to sort of present day, the lab that Dave Chappelle works at is doing testing, I think, for the FDA and for the government. Um, and I forget exactly what they say, but it seemed really similar to like present day events and, and what things were kind of being talked about, you know, like these super secret uh, laboratory experiments and testing going on. And it's, it's like this cozy relationship, this crony relationship between the FDA and the government and this big mega pharmaceutical company. And this, of course, was made in 1998 back when pharmaceutical companies were the bad guys. In fact, I think it wasn't uh, even that long ago when they were the bad guys. Oh, maybe 2019 or even early 2020, uh, at least as far as the left goes. But uh, my, how things have changed in recent times. Um, but the other thing that I thought that was kind of fun was that uh, Chappelle made this point that he's not a janitor. He's a, he's, he's a practitioner of the custodial arts. I thought that was kind of a fun thing because you'll, you'll kind of get that a lot. Like just calling something a different name changes the status of that thing, even though the thing is the same, but you're just calling it something different. And, and perhaps it's like a, a, an air of more respect, but it's still, you're cleaning up stuff. You're, you know, you're a janitor. So calling something else, something different doesn't really change the nature of the thing itself. Yeah, the the janitor point. I actually, I, I was thinking about taking that kind of in a and making a different point out of that, in that uh, almost using the uh, the um, uh, the uh, what do you call it? The um, separation of uh, crap. I'm having a complete brain fart all of a sudden. How I'm, high are you right now? I'm, I'm half baked. I'm just, <laughs> the. Uh, not separation of powers. Um, the uh, crap. What am I th trying to think of? We're like different. Different uh, people. Different people have different roles in an economy. What's the? Oh, specialization, division of labor. Division of labor. That's what I'm looking for. Division of labor. Thank you. Um, wow. But yeah, I mean, so so Dave Chappelle. Think about it. He, you know, he's a and obviously he's a, he's not really a custodian in real life. But let's just say. You know, he's a great, great comedian. Let's say he also was a great, great custodian. Well, that doesn't mean that he's going to, that, you know, the, the custodian job is still going to be available for somebody else just because Dave Chappelle can make so much more money being a comedian than he can being a uh, custodian that even though he, you know, he, he is the best custodian in the world and that anybody who's hiring a custodian would prefer to hire Dave Chappelle because he's such a great custodian, he's not going to be available for that job because his, his, his labor will have been allocated elsewhere where it's more valuable to society and to him. And therefore that custodian job will be available to somebody else. So I, th I think that's a, a cool um, aspect of the market, even though I can't remember what it's called. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. I remember Gene Callahan made that point in his book, Economics for Real People, where he was talking about uh, a basketball player like Michael Jordan. And his point was, Michael Jordan is very athletic. And, you know, if he studied to be a great house painter, he could probably be the best house painter ever, you know, the best house painter in the world and do it 
twice as fast as anyone else and do a much better job, but he can only command so much even at the peak of those skills. And so it's actually better off for society that somebody who's not quite as good of a house painter does the painting of houses, maybe not as fine of a job and maybe not as fast as of a job, but that way Michael Jordan could allocate his labor, his time and resources and his talents to the game of basketball and entertaining millions of people and doing product endorsements and all of those things. And he became arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. And uh, he could have been the greatest house painter of all time, but we wouldn't be talking about him tonight. So even though somebody who's not quite as athletic, not quite as skilled, would still end up painting houses, but uh, yeah, it's the division of labor and uh, specialization. And also it allows people to kind of gravitate towards what they have a natural affinity to and a natural skill set for and a desire to do. And what society has a demand for. Uh, you know, uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's, um, it's, it's, it's uh, I, we, we like to, uh, to hate the state uh, as much as anything, but I really like to, to also appreciate the market as much as possible and, and just point out those, those little intricacies and idiosyncrasies that, uh, that, that, that arise just naturally within the marketplace. I think it's really cool. All right. So that's probably, um, a big chunk of our show tonight <laughs> talking about that one thing about him wanting to be called a custodian, yeah. uh, a patron of the custodial arts. I think um, so you brought up another good point though, too. Sorry to interrupt you about, um, you know, the FDA and their, their crony relationship with, with pharma companies and, you know, the CDC is the same deal. And it absolutely is just amazing, you know, in the last year, how people who love to hate on corporations are the first one to go get, uh, get get jabbed in the arm by you know a creation of those corporations and you know anytime you point out the the long history um and even and actually uh they br he brings she, it up she brings up the tuskegee experiments uh very briefly um you know and just a kind of a almost like a a, a a nothing piece of dialogue it gets passed over really quick but um i mean that's something that People don't even think about that. You know, the government likes to experiment on people medically. You know, it's not a new thing. Um, and uh, even if it's not experimenting, you know, they're in the position where they can use their power to, at the behest of some large corporation, you know, just distribute millions of doses of a vaccine that who knows how much money these corporations are making off of this stuff. So. Um, it's, it's quite, uh, it's quite interesting. I think it's a good point you brought up. All right. Well, I am want to do that, uh, from time to time. Uh, now yeah. I did want to bring up the Tuskegee experiment because it is brought up briefly and it does also, um, make sense in, in modern times, like why people might be skeptical of, of things that are going on, uh, for their own good or, or even just without full, um, informed consent, uh, cause those are big, um, big issues related to like the Hippocratic Oath and uh, war crimes, <laughs> that these types of things aren't supposed to happen. Um, and yet seemingly uh, those ideas and those concepts are sort of lost in the milieu of, um, of fear and making people afraid of just normal daily interactions. And I'm not trying to claim that there's nothing that's out there going around, but I am saying that in my opinion, that it is being over-dramatized uh, to push a narrative and to push and promote uh, something that maybe um, maybe isn't in the best interest of individuals making their own choices. If they were just giving out the um, objective, raw data, um, then maybe it would have a little bit more sway with me. But when they're obviously manipulating how they're collecting the data, how they're presenting the data, and it only works in um, seemingly one direction, then that raises red flags for me. And so, um, you know, I, I think that just tr transparency and actual disclosure is far better tactic than obfuscation and squelching of speech and limiting um, communication and questions. Yeah, I know you guys have been talking a lot about, um, you know, the corona and the lockdown and whatnot. And, and I think you're absolutely right. And even, you know, just as much, just the fact that they didn't talk at all about, you know, hey, there's, you know, you can, uh, you can help your immune system if you take vitamins and exercise and, you know, get out in the sun and things like that. And you'll be a little bit less, you know, likely to, to have a bad reaction if you do happen to get infected. And 
Um, you know, that nobody talks about the fact that uh, obesity is a really strong trigger for COVID being um, a lot harsher on the body than, than you know, a, a non-obese um, person. So the fact that they, they don't bring up any of that stuff uh, and don't, and all the, the, the only solution is masks and quarantine and lockdowns and vaccines. That's, you know, that's all uh, it's, 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 it's pretty obvious what they're doing. Yeah. Now we should probably uh, actually talk about this movie because ostensibly this is a show about movies. That's so right. um, can you remind me was the Tuskegee experiments? That wasn't the syphilis one, right? Where they were, saying they were treating people with syphilis, but they weren't actually treating them with anything. And they were just seeing what the long-term effects were going to be over the course of decades. No, that's exactly what it was. And I think in some cases they actually infected people with, you know, healthy people with syphilis. Um, not, they weren't, they didn't just observe people who already had syphilis. I'm pretty sure. And I'd have to look this up and confirm, but something is telling me that they also actively infected people with syphilis to see how it how the, the, the disease kind of grew and, and, you know, uh, developed over time. Yeah. Lovely. Right. Nice people. All right. Well, let's move on to another subject. And, and I think that this is sort of a property rights issue and also like a, is this truly a crime issue? And that is the police horses untimely death as a result of being fed junk food by a stoner. And it just so happens that that horse is diabetic and so sensitive to having all these sugars and other uh, things in the junk food, and it ends up killing the horse. Now, of course, I'm rhyming now, uh, they're going to throw the book at Harlan because they view this horse as a police officer, sort of like a canine. They treat them as, as officers as well. Um, and so for the sake of the movie, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's murder of a police officer. But what's your stance on, like, Obviously, there was no intent, right? Harlan Williams's character was not intending to harm the horse. Granted, he didn't own the horse, didn't know, you know, the medical history of the horse or anything like that. So he was doing something he should not have done. It was not his property. It was the property of the state or the police force or the handler, the, the officer who was the horse's partner, I guess. And so I can see that there was some transgression against property uh, there. So Harlan was in the wrong but he wasn't doing a murder, in my estimation. Yeah, and it certainly wasn't a murder of a human either. Uh, basically, he was getting charged with, with, that's what they made it sound like, that he was being charged as if he had killed an actual, you know, like human police officer. Um, and I wonder, you know, I wonder how much, uh, you know, the cop himself, if he bears any responsibility, you know, he, the, that was a lot of food that... Uh, that uh, that Brian um, was uh, feeding the horse there, so it probably took a, a good while. So the the cop left his horse in public there, um, unattended, unsupervised. Uh, so it's you know it's his, it's, and it's it's public property too, right? You know it's not, it's so that's kind of a gray area. Uh, but you know I think. Um, I think it's just an example of, and and because it's the fact that they charged him with killing a cop is that's a, that's a real life thing, you know. Like if you you kill a, a canine, they'll charge you with uh, with 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 assaulting a police officer or killing a police officer. Um, they they treat that as if like it's actually one of them, which is kind of crazy. Uh, so the movie was actually pretty <laughs> pretty accurate uh, in the, its portrayal of that, but. Um, no, I think if anything, he, you know, it would be, uh, you know, him having to, you know, buy the buy the department a new horse. That would be the proper, um, the proper, uh, you know, that if justice really being served, if if that's the way that it had gone, the way that it went was was absolutely not justice being served. Right now, the the monetary amount might have been roughly similar. I don't know how much a horse like that would cost, but a million dollars, you think? Yeah. Well, they were trying to raise what ten percent of that to get the the bail, yep, hundred yeah, or, or the bond, right? How does that work? So it's ten percent of the amount of the bail that goes through a bondsman, right? I guess I don't know. Fortunately, I've never had to. to <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think replacing the the property that was damaged or 
killed uh, is probably more appropriate. And I, I also think that, yeah, you're right. You bring up a good point that the officer had some responsibility to maintain like stewardship of the horse and make sure that it wasn't just left unattended and um, put at risk, you know, being out in a, uh, a public environment, public place like that, like anyone could have messed with it. And uh, just so happened the Harlan Williams character was just trying to help him. <laughs> just trying to feed him. Yeah. Um, I wanted to swing us back uh, to the FDA thing just real quick, because they say that they're doing FDA testing to see if marijuana has any medicinal uses. And I was wondering if that's perhaps a conflict of interest because it's the government who has laws against marijuana utilizing the government's own services to determine whether the outcome is something that they want it to be. So it, it, it doesn't sound like there's really checks and balances at play here and that there's an impartiality, though they might claim there's one on paper. But it certainly seems to me like science that has any government influence or direction is, by its very nature, corrupted in some way. And it's no longer just seeking truth, but rather seeking outcomes that are sort of like embedded in the questions and in, in what is being looked at. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you know there's there's obviously an, an aspect of regulatory capture that has happened with the FDA and w with the the agent with the agencies that do this testing. Um, and so you know a, a pharmaceutical company that ha you know has a drug that um, uh, uh, you know is a pain reliever or something. They don't want more competition. They want more people buying their drug. And so if they can use the government to say to do a test and have that test be predetermined that it's going to say that there are no medicinal benefits that you know that cannabis does not act as a pain reliever um then you know it's better for their business uh so yeah that that um that that phenomenon of regulatory regulatory capture is real and so no there is no reason to trust uh you know their 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 testing and uh you know any really anything that they say um you know i think lou rockwall has, has said for since i've been following him you know that uh pretty much anything the the government says you can believe the opposite um and uh i think there's there's a good amount of truth to that right and just the concept of regulatory capture is uh revolved around a number of things but one of the concepts is protectionism. So it's the entrenched interests who have political influence and an entrenched uh, position utilizing the government apparatus by which to exclude upstart competitors and make it more burdensome for them to be competitors to the entrenched interests. Plus, there's the revolving door of those who are in the agency, in the bureaucratic realm, are often those who have the expertise from the private sector and vice versa. They go back and forth between them. And so, of course, these outcomes are going to be uh, a result of these cozy relationships and this back and forth exchange of, um, I guess, favors for each other. Yeah. And that, you know, the, the bloodiest example of that is in the, the military industrial complex with, you know, the, the boards of directors of, you know, Lockheed Martin going into the Pentagon and, and going into think tanks and, you know, th that revolving door, it also exists in the, the financial and the banking industry. It exists in the pharmaceutical industry. But uh, actually, if you, you want to hear something super interesting, as I was, as you know, we were, my wife and I were researching and starting to get into this uh, Delta 8 business. Um, we were starting to, we, Colorado is one of the states that has made Delta 8 illegal, which surprised me because they were one of the first to legalize marijuana to begin with and what i found out was that it was through lobbying of the um the 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 legal cannabis industry <laughs> that led to the m making delta 8 illegal they wanted to eliminate a uh, a competitor um, right so, so it's who gets there first so right it's so it, 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 and when i heard that i was just i mean i like it was just like facepalm out you know uh like crazy because it's like man we don't even think about living in a free country you know all this work that we put in to legalize marijuana and now these these they're just making it into another boys club where you know what what pisses me off the most about the way that the state has gone about legalizing marijuana 
is that for years, the war on drugs has hit the hardest poor people and especially poor minorities. And as cannabis becomes legalized, um, as it becomes decriminalized, it should be a boon for those communities because it's the, the, the barrier to entry should be very minimal. It's, you know, it's called weed for a reason. It grows anywhere. You know, anybody should be able to grow, you know, half dozen plants in their backyard or in their attic or whatever and, and sell to their, to their, to their neighborhood if they want to. But the government puts all these, you know, licenses and, uh, you know, barriers to entry and, and makes it into a boys club so that, you know, it's, it's, it's liberals kind of have a point when they talk about the rich getting richer um, because, you know, uh, all they, all they see is these, these corporations. Um, but what they don't see is the fact that they've been lobbying, you know, the, the power of the politicians and of the bureaucrats for, for their own benefit at our expense. So, you know, when I heard that about the Delta eight industry and that that's why it had been made illegal in Colorado, it was just, man, it's just one of those things that, uh, every time we think we're making progress, it's, it's, you know, a step forward and two steps back. Yeah. It's wild how, um, things are legalized, but not decriminalized, which I think there's a difference, you know, legalize is sort of like, Hey, let's make it okay with all of these regulations and permits and licenses and taxes and all of those things, which is also very exclusionary. And you're right about the impacts on um, minority communities and things like that. And, you know, if the, the left likes to talk about this concept of institutional racism, and I think that in the sense that they speak of it, I don't think that, that, that they're necessarily accurate in, what it is and and where it is, but it does exist in the realm of governments and regulations and business licenses and permits and regulations and taxes, all of these things that are burdens on starting a small business and doing something that is productive for your fellow man rather than, you know, working for the government or working for a big corporation or not working and receiving uh, welfare or other benefits. Um, as a result. So in, in essence, they're incentivizing not being productive and it's, it uh, becomes a trap of sorts, you know, because now you have to like make over a certain amount. And the only difference is the spread between what you could have received by doing nothing versus what you're maybe going to receive by doing work. And, and that gap between those two things is not um, often sufficient enough for people to take that risk and make that change. Because it's not from zero up to whatever they're earning. It's from a baseline level and then only so much more. And so that's the difference that they're um, weighing. Yeah, that's why we see, you know, there's there's help wanted signs in just about every single window that I, I see um, driving around. And I, I, I work with a lot of uh, people in kind of the industrial um, manufacturing warehouse type world. And all of those type of places are hurting for work. And yeah, there, I mean, it's... Uh, it's more money um, to sit at home and uh, and just collect a check, or it's it's maybe it's a little bit less money, but it's certainly much less aggravation than actually having to drive yourself to a job and stay there eight hours a day, five days a week, and actually do something. Um, you know, it's much more fun to watch watch half baked all day and uh, <laughs> and smoke weed. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I think. Uh, you know, there's, there's, I guess, more, maybe another place we could take this. And, and what I what I like about, and your point about the, you know, legalizing versus decriminalizing is a good one. I make that point a lot that, you know, I much prefer decriminalizing because as long as, you know, if they're just legalizing it, then there's still, you know, if you, if they have licenses associated with it, if they have, um, you know, whatever other, regulatory barrier to entry associated with it, then there's still a crime associated with it. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's not decriminalized because there's still a crime associated with it. If you cultivate uh, cannabis without the proper license, then you can still get arrested and go to jail. So there's still a crime that uh, that they'll willing to charge you with. So in my mind, um, decriminalization, full decriminalization, such that there's no crime associated with it is the way to go. 
Um, but you know, kind of that all being said, what we, I mean, just in the, in the little bit of movement in the move in the direction of freedom that we have seen, um, you know, whether it's <laughs> in the state, like, like we're in Washington, uh, and you know, the legal, uh, marijuana industry or in the, even in the Delta eight, um, world that I'm in, what I'm seeing is that the, the market is naturally doing all of the things that us libertarians say that it, we would say that it would do, you know, for instance, like, you know, one of the things in the movie, they buy some weed that um, they, is just like out of this world and it puts them, basically they're like flying through the air, you know, they blow it in their dog's face and he's flying through the air, you know, it's just completely out of this world. Um, so, you know, in the black market, whatever you buy, you're not really sure exactly what you're getting, you know, which one of the things that we argue about, you know, the, the opioid epidemic is because people start get hooked on heroin and then they get a dose of heroin that's stronger than what they're used to and they overdose. Uh, well, you know, we've been seeing in the legal cannabis market and in the Delta 8 market that it just becomes standard in the market that people have third party independent laboratory testing available with whatever product they're selling. So you can, as a consumer, know exactly what you're getting. Um, and there's the, the, the increase in the available types and quality of products has gone up. Uh, and, so, you know, so the competition has driven better quality and it's, uh, you know, prices are are competitive and uh you know there's different you know i'm doing uh 10 off with with a coupon code you know i'm, I'm trying to to be, be competitive here but um you know between between that between uh, it's just uh like like i was saying you know the the market has done what we say it would do and if we can convince more people that uh we should just continue in this direction you know with with other drugs and 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 with uh, with taking the cannabis world even further than we have taken it, um, you know these these types of benefits will just uh, continue. Right, and and of course the market we're talking about is the legalized tax and regulate version of it, so a very hampered version of the market, and yet we're still seeing these beneficial things come as a result of it. So it would it only be uh, that much better. Um, and if I recall, you also did um, a website called Breaking Liberty where you analyzed Breaking Bad uh, television series. And in that, um, there was a market gap or a, a hole in the market where somebody could come in and make a better product and a more, um, I guess, more recognizable product. And that's where the blue uh, product that Walter White was making, it was much more potent. It was recognizable. It was purer and more effective. And so it ended up um, taking a lot of business from Tuco and... Uh, and Gus Fring, right? And uh, similarly, uh, we see this in American Gangster with that the great Denzel Washington movie, where he, as an entrepreneur, finds a better source for the product, and he gets a higher grade of it and uh, has um, a lower cost, so he can sell better stuff at lower prices than his competition. And this is in a highly illegal market uh, in New York City in, I think, the 70s or the late 60s. Uh, into the seventies. Um, and that's another great movie that we haven't done American gangster. Yeah. I'd love to, I, I love that movie. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, uh, I think I, I think I suggested that at one point, but, um, no, you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, it's amazing that even in the black market, you know, the, just the, the competitive forces of the market are going to be there regardless. Um, what the black market does allow for though, is for, violent forces to also be used as a, I guess, competitive strategy. I mean, even in, even in Half-Baked, you know, they get into a, a beef with Samson and, uh, and Samson's ready to, to have them all murdered, um, you know, because they are encroaching on his territory. And that is only possible in the black market. Uh, you know, you, you, you don't see, uh, you don't see Coors Light, you know, the, the CEO of Coors Light having, you know, camping out outside the headquarters of Budweiser to, to, to take out the CEO. Um, it doesn't work that way in, in the above ground market. Uh, so, you know, the, again, you know, the, the benefits of a superior product uh, would come from eliminating the war on drugs and uh, abolishing, you know, these cartels and these gangs and, and eliminating all, all the violence that, that goes with, uh, 
with, with the with the war on drugs too that would that would also be eliminated so um you know i just i don't understand why everybody doesn't agree with everything all libertarians say it's just uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're just thinking about yourself you greedy selfish bastard um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, uh, Mark Thornton has done some really great work related to the drug war, and he talks about these concepts of um, of purity and more awareness of what it is that you would be purchasing and ingesting, uh, and those things would be benefits of the market. So we'll put that on the show notes page as well. And you mentioned uh, real briefly just a moment ago that uh, the Coors Light isn't going to sit in the you know out out there to whack the the Budweiser CEO, yeah maybe not in a physical violence sense, but they are going to use that apparatus we were talking about earlier, the crony cozy relationship with the regulators and uh, having the protectionist policies that would prevent upstarts. So Coors and Budweiser might be established interest, but the microbreweries and um, other um, entrants into the competitive landscape would see hurdles thrown in front of them. Uh, and that's sort of how they do it in the quote unquote legalized market is utilizing the government to hamper and uh, restrict their competitors. Yeah, it's, it's third party violence. huh? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the people who who want to be charitable by advocating for welfare. Um, you know, so it's that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. And we actually see um, the characters in this movie. Let's bring it back to the movie <laughs> rapid fire round. Cause we're already 47 minutes into this, <laughs> but um, when uh, Chappelle and Guillermo and um, Jim Brewer's characters are caught selling the drugs and then uh, Samson, he gets on their radar or he, they get on his radar and he starts extorting them for $20,000 a week. Um, then they go and rob the lab and they get caught by the police. So what do they do? They make a deal with the police to weaponize the police action against Samson, their competitor. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, sorry, I was a little bit distracted there too. So I don't have much to, 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 to riff, uh, to, to, to take that um, from you here. Uh, I apologize. No, no problem. And, and I guess you could argue that they weren't um, planning to continue into their venture but they had made a deal with the cops to drop the charges against them and to get their Harlan Williams character out of jail. Uh, so, I mean, I can kind of see why they would have done that. They were certainly incentivized to do so. Uh, but it also comes back to the drug war, which um, the girlfriend that uh, Dave Chappelle, the girl that he meets, she's very much bought into all the propaganda about marijuana being a gateway drug and drugs are bad, MK, and all drug dealers are bad people. They all belong in jail. And um, I, I kind of took issue with her believing those things because I don't, I don't share those same beliefs. Um, but also I took issue with Dave Chappelle's character lying to her about no, knowing that about her, knowing that that's her opinion, then him lying to her about himself and, and his drug use and drug dealing, um, I thought was um, bad Dave, you know? He did a lot of bad stuff in this movie. He... he um, he was funny, but he was also like he stole from the bum so that he could have ice cream money on that date where he was trying to stay under $8 or something like that. Yeah, and he stole I mean, he stole from that lab, too. I mean, even though that lab is a, a crony, uh, you know, institute, and therefore, you know, that could be argued whether or not it's their property to begin with or not. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you're, you're right. I, and, yeah, Mary Jane. Um, uh, for as, as hot as she was, it, what her uh, her beliefs about the the drug war uh, are a turn off. Um, it's like she saw reefer madness and believed it. Exactly. Yeah, it's just a, a gateway drug. Um, and uh, yeah, it's you know, and also you're right. Yeah, lying to you know, lying to somebody, especially to someone that you're trying to have an intimate relationship with, like like that. Um, that's that's not the way to go about it. Uh, you know, unless uh, unless all he cares about is is getting in the getting in her pants but you know there's there's also moral qualms with with that too i'm gonna uh, put my, my robert hat on for a minute and and that is since you can't divulge everything about yourself when you're first meeting somebody and you always put your best foot forward you're sort of always kind of lying to the other party when you're in these uh dating stages so dave Chappelle's character was sort of an extreme um iteration of that and and i think that he was uh 
lying directly, you know, like she asked him direct questions and he gave direct false information. But, right. um, yeah. As opposed to just lying by omission and omitting the, you know, the, maybe the negative aspects of yourself or your past, you know, when you're in that, uh, that dating. So I, I get, yeah, I get Robert's point there. Um, but yeah, an, an overt and a, a, a direct uh, out, out, out and out lie like that. I mean, I don't know. I think everybody does it from time to time, but uh, it's not something that we want to do. It's not something that we should do uh, just from a moral speaking. That being said, I don't think he should be thrown in jail for it either. I don't think the state should come with their their enforcement dogs to uh, to enforce any kind of um, you know relationship morality by any means. But <laughs> Relationship police. Yeah, I I would, you know, just, uh, you know, when it comes to my children, I'll probably try and raise them not to uh, to behave that way. Right. Well, um, I wanted to get to uh, talking about those cameos real quick, because I thought that those were really fun and and well done. And you mentioned um, Bob Saget. Uh, He did one and he was actually in the same um, same area, shooting a film of his own at the time. I think it was Dirty Work. He was the director for Dirty Work, the great Norm MacDonald movie. And so he was able to come and do this cameo. And what's so great about Bob Saget's cameo is that he's known as being on Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos as this nerdy, straight-laced guy. And then in this movie, he says some of the raunchiest, crazy, whacked-out shit that you can. And so it has that just shock value. And I understand that his uh, his stand-up comedy uh, has a similar kind of tact to it in that uh, he has this, you know, impression that a lot of people have of him in the, in the social uh, milieu, milieu, that he's, you know, this straight-laced guy. And then he kind of shocks them with, uh, with his profanity and talking about doing blow off the hookers and things like that. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, that was uh, that was a great cameo. Um, and I guess in 98, you know, this was probably the first time that Saget came out that way. And so it was, as you say, a great shock value. But uh, yeah, his comedy is, is just that way. And he, he did some he did a cameo or two in uh, the HBO TV show Entourage too and he was extremely raunchy in that show it was <laughs> hilarious uh and so yeah i i loved the uh the Dave, the or the uh the bob saget cameo i love john stewart too he would <laughs> look at the stars on weed you know i just that's yeah uh, you ever listen to last nighters on weed yeah exactly yeah go to thchampspot.com coupon code last night and you can yeah, go to go to that website on weed. It's yeah. even better. Because <laughs> you might you might mistype it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the Snoop Dogg one was pretty funny too. I mean, he's of course he does tons of these cameos. Uh, this is probably one of the early ones. Um, but he was in uh, at least famously for me and my wife, Trailer Park Boys, for um, I think a season. Even he was like a recurring character for for quite a bit of it. Um, and it's just like anytime there's like a weed related TV show or movie. Snoop Dogg makes an appearance and it's just like, um, it's almost like a requirement these days. In fact, if you have such a thing without Snoop Dogg in it, it doesn't quite feel authentic. Yeah, you're right about that. He, uh, he, he played a good, it wasn't about weed, but he played a great, uh, little, little, almost not really a cameo piece. It was more of a character piece, but he was in training day. He was really good in that. Oh, was he in a wheelchair in that one? He was in a wheelchair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Training day is another, another movie I want to do. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a great movie. I'd really the uh, well. I guess we can talk about other movies at a different time, but um, yeah, maybe in the in the post show, Kathleen Turner Drive bonus content available for our Patreon supporters. Go to lastnightscom slash Patreon. You can get some pre show and post show bonus content when you uh, send us some dollars. We'll send you links, and you can uh, check those things out. You still um, have people that aren't Patreon supporters? I can't believe that. Well, the ratio is closing because we're not growing our audience very much. So any new Patreon person we get digs into that that ratio. See, I <laughs> um, I thought that the Willie Nelson one was pretty good too. I mean, he looked old ben- back then. That was '98. So, what are we? We're coming on like 23 years, and he's still out kicking, uh, I guess. And um, was he the one who talked about um, when a dime bag cost a dime? So maybe you can go on an inflation-related rant. Uh, Dave Smith's most recent episode, and I'll put that on our show notes page. He gave a, a really great explanation for about 45 minutes about the effects of inflation, what inflation truly is. Uh, versus what we're sort of told it is in the mainstream and in the media. 
And uh, he, he makes a great point. Um, Willie Nelson, you know, a dime bag used to cost a dime. And now it's, uh, when I was in high school, it was like a 40 bag was like an eighth. And I don't know what it is these days. 30, 30, uh, 31.99 on my website, I think. I forget. Okay, but and that's I, before the 10% off. Very nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. But, but there, there's uh, there's probably tax and whatnot. But anyways. Um, sorry, what did you say? Uh, we're talking about inflation. When a dime bag costs a dime. Yeah. When, no, because, I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, we we hate the states. And for me, it's it's three primary reasons. One is the, the wars, you know, killing people in our names uh, overseas. Uh Two is the war on drugs, which is, you know, what this movie is primarily about. Um, and, you know, the fact that uh, we lock people up and steal people's freedoms uh, all in the name of, uh, you know, victimless crimes for, for an oxymoron there for you. Um, oxymoron is not the word I'm looking for. Whatever. Uh, but then lastly is, is the, Fed, the Fed, uh, the Federal Reserve. And, yeah, the inflationary monetary policy and the fact that you know, they make us all poor uh, because they just print money out of thin air. You know, there's there's a reason why counterfeiting is a crime, because if you create your own money at home and go out and buy stuff with it, well, then you're just really stealing stuff because you're getting stuff for free. You haven't earned that money. You just printed it. You, know, you just created it out of nothing. Well, that's what the Federal Reserve does all day, every day. And all of that money that they create goes to you know, the, the biggest banks and the treasury department. And, uh, and so, you know, when, when Bernie and AOC folks talk about, uh, the rich getting richer and inequality and, and 1% and, and all this kind of stuff, the fact that they don't talk about the federal reserve and central banking, um, is just a huge blind spot, uh, in the, in their whole worldview. Um, and so, yeah, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, Willie Nelson can make that joke and everybody gets it, because everybody does understand that, yeah, prices rise over time. Prices shouldn't rise over time. Prices should fall over time. And our buying power, you know, we should be able to purchase more with our dollars that, rather than less if we were in a, uh, a, 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 a commodity money system or a competitive money system as opposed to this, this uh, state um uh, fiat money system run by the Federal Reserve since since 1913. Right. And and inflation these days has become more and more noticeable. Of course, they're using a flawed measuring stick called the CPI, which they change how it uh, is calculated um, every couple of years. And so when you look at these things historically, you're actually comparing apples and oranges. Um, but even beyond that, it, it's measuring price increases in certain commodities and it eliminates even counting some things that are more affected by this increase in the money supply like food and energy costs things of that nature and uh, there's a great book this i think is directed more towards children but it's a book by richard mayberry called whatever happened to penny candy it's a fast clear and fun explanation of economics uh, that talks about uh, the inflationary effects of creating more money and chasing the same amount of goods uh, and, and we see a great example of this um, in present day where there have been restrictions on lockdowns that have restricted output and, um, and made supply chains more strained. And so we see massive increases in prices of things because we have more dollars chasing fewer produced goods and services. And so that, of course, is reflected in price increases that we see all across the board. And uh, we're starting to see that. Uh, sort of admitted into the mainstream media. Of course, it's called transitory or short, you know, for a limited time and, and only things, you know, will, will return to normal uh, before you know it. But of course, they've printed trillions and trillions of dollars. Uh, so those do end up going somewhere. And it has been going on for a long, long time. And for a long, of the, for, for the last decade or so, a lot of that money was still sitting uh, as reserves parked at the Federal Reserve by the big banks. And so it wasn't actually injected directly into the economy where it wasn't chasing goods and services. And so the apparent um, price inflation was sort of held back, uh, but the monetary inflation had already occurred. And I, I think that it isn't going to be too much longer before we start really feeling the effects of all of that and the exponential increase that we've been seeing. I, I don't know if you've seen a chart uh, lately, but even 10 years ago, the chart was uh, an exponential uh, logarithmic function 
and uh, I'm sure it's even worse these days. Uh, uh, you can even just look administration over administration and what the um, national debt was uh, and just charting that and you'll see a massive, massive increase. Uh, and it does seem to be um, getting into unsustainable territory. Granted, I thought that uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and I know that a lot of people of our um, like-mindedness have been thinking these things since the 70s. So it, it certainly can seem to go along uh, longer than anyone uh, truly expects that it can. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the whole reason why Ron Paul got into Congress to begin with, was when Nixon uh, took the U.S. off the gold standard or, or decoupled uh, the dollar from gold the last time in, in 1971 there. August 15th, uh, we're almost coming up on that anniversary. You're right, yeah, we're about a month away here. Um, but yeah, the... Uh, the, the the price inflation and this the the economic uncertainty that that causes is very very real. I'm seeing that in in you know my my day to day uh, business. Um, you know where where when I would put a proposal together, I used to be able to say the price was good for six months, and now I'm not I'm not confident putting you know put, putting thirty days uh, on on my pricing because we've seen. Uh, regular price increases in, in our materials um, that we we sell. I, I sell uh, LED lighting to industrial and commercial facilities, and the the LED lights that we we sell, um, you know, people are seeing uh, really huge strain on shipping. Um, it's it's really tight, and just costs are are rising. I think just in the last six months, there's been like a 250 percent increase in 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 the cost of transportation and the cost of shipping um so yeah so it's it's causing um you know a robert higgs term you know it's causing some regime uncertainty and people are being a little bit hesitant to uh to, to pull the trigger on things just because there's there's so much uncertainty just from what prices are going to be day to day uh and what what lead times are going to be day to day so the 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 economy is really in um, in a bad place, uh, and uh, you know it, it doesn't feel that way. You know the 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 stock market's through the roof, and the all there's all kinds of positive uh, vibes in the in the retail world, and people are spending money. But uh, you know this this moratorium on uh, on on kicking people you know who who haven't paid their rent of kicking them out of their their houses or out of their apartments and uh, this this ar artificially high unemployment rate I don't think it's going to last forever um, and uh, you know the the price inflation that inevitably follows monetary f inflation uh, it's it's going to come there's there's just no way around it uh, and um, you know, you're right. They they have been able to kind of make it last a lot longer than anybody has thought it would. But at the same time, you know, every 10 years, it feels like there's the crazy uh, economic uh, meltdown that just wipes a whole bunch of people out. You know, in this past year, um, it was really kind of artificially created all these lockdowns uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, forced... Um, forcing businesses to shut down and uh the the almost like the similar similar idea to the regulatory capture and the uh the crony relationships um you know the, the costcos and the amazons and the walmarts of the world have done really good in the last year and the the small you know family-owned uh shops have not because they've been forced to shut down so just all kinds of, of crazy stuff and and at the at the heart of it is the the Fed and the monetary inflation and the, and the fact that a dime bag used to cost a dime. All right, way to bring it back to the movie a little bit. So um, there's just a couple of more things I wanted to bring up, and then we can do a, uh, a final summary review and maybe give a, a number of bong rips out of ten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really like some of the iconic scenes that make really good gifts when you're replying to somebody on Facebook. Like, there's the boo this man. When he goes to the uh, Narcotics Anonymous meeting and says that he's addicted to weed, and that's when Bob Saget does his, you know, suck. Do you suck dick for for marijuana? Come on, man, you're doing cocaine off of hookers. But uh, there's the guy. Is it a Marlon? Is it Marlon Wayne's or, or one of the Wayne's brothers? Says boo, this man throws his hat. So I use that gif a lot. Um, I also really like the one where Guillermo uh, 
Diaz is at the restaurant and he's quitting and he says, I hate you. I hate you. Or fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you. And I'm out. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. And there's a couple of other ones that I think are just really funny that uh, I had forgotten that they were in this movie until watching it again recently the other day. Yeah, there's some classic, classic lines in this movie that people probably throw out without even even realizing what movie that they're quoting. It's, you know, it's one of those like the the on weed like i i forgot that that was in this movie and i, I mm-hmm. you know, i've heard that joke so many times you know i've been a pothead myself for uh for half my life now so you know i've traveled in those circles and that's one of those just you know things that gets said from time to time and uh yeah i forgot a, a lot of the hilarity that was in this movie it was it had it had some good comedic moments for sure yeah i can definitely see why it has sort of achieve that cult status. And, and and I think that has a lot to do with these cameos and with these kind of iconic moments and, and sayings that uh, people will continue to say, even if they forgot where they originally got them from. So um, that makes me kind of think that this movie ha- is indelible and it, it, it sticks with you and it is worth going back and watching as dumb as it is. And as kind of nonsensical as the story is, it has tons of things uh, that are redeeming qualities. And so I'm going to give this, Six and a half bong rips out of ten. So that's my final summary review right there. Okay, nice. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of really funny moments uh, in the in the movie. Um, one of my favorites was was uh, when um, Brian he's working in the re- re- record store and somebody's trying to sell him uh, a Kenny Loggins album, <laughs> and he's like, "I'll give you five dollars for it." And she's like, "But it's autographed by Kenny Loggins." And he's like, "Okay, I'll give you four dollars for it." <laughs> Man, that just killed me. I thought that was so funny. Uh, um, and because he, he like, he clearly was making a joke that like, oh, it's like I wanted even less now that I know it's signed by Kenny. Like he and he he made the joke to himself and he like made himself laugh in, in the movie. That was really funny. And then at the end, when the the, the stoned cops uh, were also really funny. Um, and when when they made fun of uh, of Chappelle for for the letter that he wrote Mary Jane, I thought that was really funny. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, uh, six and a half was the the number that I had in mind. Um, I think I'm gonna be right there with you. Six and a half bong rips. Um, probably round it up to seven. Just get that little bit of extra THC in there for uh, before I go off to sleep here. But um, yeah, I uh, I liked it. I I, I thought uh, it had some really funny moments and um, was really good opportunity to talk about some of these these libertarian issues. Uh, that uh, that's always fun to do as well. All right. Well, very good. Well, I, I appreciate that you came on to do this one. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to do this in person. Uh, my wife, the voice of reason at times, um, said that it was probably not worth the uh, seven hours of driving for what would have been maybe an hour of hangout time before you'd have to leave tomorrow morning. About but, that. Uh, oh, also, um, I don't know how to record with two people in the in my space. So you might have had to like recorded from your car or something ridiculous like that. So you would have driven all the way up here to sit in your car to do the episode. Then we'd hang out for a little bit before bed. And uh, yeah, I mean, granted YOLO, you know, we only live once. It would have been good to see in person, but definitely. Yeah. I I don't know when the next time I'll be up in Seattle, but uh, if I ever do, I will certainly hit you up. And if you're in the, uh, the Charlotte area, you do the same. Uh, But uh, well, I got to say that's a pretty, pretty impressive mountain you've got here. Um, Mount uh, Mount Rainier there. That's uh, quite the thing. Yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, yeah. We're we're up by another one. Uh, that's uh, not quite as impressive, but it still is pretty nice to look at when we're driving around around here. It's it's a beautiful area, certainly. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So uh, yeah, that's I think our show tonight. So um, let's remind people where they can find what you've been working on, and I've got that scrolling down along the bottom. And then also, if you want to throw out your other websites, uh, anything that you're still kind of got out there for people to to take a look at. Yeah, um, you, you mentioned Breaking Bad. That's that's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. It depends uh, what between if I've watched that or The Wire most recently as to which is my favorite TV show of all time. But uh, it's a to- toss up between those two. But I liked Breaking Bad so much that I, I wrote a, a couple of um, free eBooks that people can can download uh, at breakingliberty.com. Um, just a, a collection of essays where I took uh, kind of plot lines or pieces of dialogue and expanded and tried to make uh, you know libertarian points um, from from that TV show. But uh, what's more um, related to to 
to half baked in the movie we talked about here today is uh, my wife and I's latest online business venture, uh, which is uh, thchempspot.com. We're selling Delta Eight THC cannabis products. Uh, if you use promo code last night, you get ten percent off your order, and, and Daniel and Robert get a get a cut too. They get a little commission. Um, thrown their way so uh if you if you're a fan of the show and if you like to smoke some pot and uh you know go go over to my website thchemspot.com use coupon code last night and uh you'll benefit daniel and rob roller benefit i'll benefit uh, everybody wins it's it's the the beauty of the market all this this mutually beneficial um transactions that we're we're able to engage in so yeah that's it uh thchemspot.com all right, very good, and and thank you again for being our guest. And uh, just a couple of closing notes here: people can get our pre-show and post-show bonus content by going to lastnighters.com/slash/patreon. People can find the show notes and more at lastnighters.com/slash/186. And you can also find our episodes at the Liberty Movement's YouTube channel. And uh, I think the last thing I wanted to mention: oh yes, what we're doing next week. So we haven't actually decided what movie we want to do next week. So we're going to do an episode roulette where we're going to spin a wheel in the next couple of days to not only to decide the movie, but also to decide the guest. And uh, so it's going to be a mystery movie and mystery guest next week. But um, for, for the last you know, year or so, we've been telling you guys all what we're doing the following week. And uh, we're going to change it up, make it a little uh, exciting. It's going to be a mystery, mystery meet. But uh, you can find the show notes more for this at lastnighters.com. So it's 186. You can find Jared's website at breakingliberty.com and also at thchempspot.com. Use the promo code last night, no spaces, to save 10% off your order. And uh, we'll see you guys all next week for the mystery movie. And uh, with that, we'll say good night from last night, everyone. Peace out.